Two of you are good? All right. Great. All right. The, the lady on crutches is great. Else is just okay. All right. The, uh, unbelievable. All right. Um, did everyone get um, notes for tonight coming in? Did everyone get a set of the handouts? Did anyone missing a set of the handouts? Maybe that's the question to ask. We had a couple of people missing those. Hey, Pastor Oscar, would you poke your head out there and see if we have the week two notes? Um, I tried to print extras. We've got a great crowd out here tonight. And so uh, we may have to have some couples sharing or something like that tonight, but I think we have a few more. This should be the, they should say week two right there. I think you may have grabbed some of the week one ones. We have some extras from week one um, that are out there. So I know Steve needed one. Is there someone else that needed a set? Joe needs a set. All right. So wave at Oscar's got those, and so just uh, flag him down. All right. How many of you were here last week? How many of you were here last week? Awesome. All right. So most of, most of our group, I know I saw a few new faces um, tonight. How many of you that were here last week, you took a few minutes to do the take-home work last week? You spent, you spent a few minutes doing that. Wow. Awesome. Good. Good. I hope you did. Um, I hope through this study, um, I really want to equip you. Obviously, we're not going to go around. We're not going to grade everything, and we're not going to uh, spend time. Some of you are surprised to see that, right? Um, we're not going to go through, you know, pass, fail, whatever. Um, but really, I would encourage you to take the time to implement these things, whether it be um, the passages of Scripture um, that we are distributing and walking through together, or whether it be a different passage of Scripture, to enact the things that we're talking about, because this is designed to be uh, practical. This isn't designed to be only theoretical. This is designed to be something that you will take out of here, that you will use, that will affect your uh, spiritual growth, your day-to-day growth. And so this is something that our goal for you with this is not just merely um, head knowledge, not just merely something that you can go uh, amaze your friends with, but something that you can take out and that you can use, that can result in growth in your life. And so really quickly, what I want to do tonight is I want to start with um, just a minute of review, uh, maybe two minutes of review, and I want to get into what we talked about last week. For those of you who weren't here, refresh the memories because we've all slept since then, right? Um, And so refresh the memories of everybody who was here last week. Just kind of go through uh, what we hit last week very briefly. So last week, um, we started this uh, study entitled Uh, the Bible is for everyone. And we talked about how the Bible is not only for smart people. The Bible is not only for um, pastors. The Bible is not, we even said the Bible is not only for Christians because all of us were exposed to the word of God before we were believers in one way, shape, or form. And our faith came as a result of some understanding and illumination by the Holy Spirit of the Word of God. And so the Bible truly, genuinely is for everyone. There's not a person that I believe the Bible is not for. And so as we look at this, um, we we talked about why we should study the Bible. We talked about the benefits of that. And if you uh, missed out last week, there are some extra copies of last week's notes. Um, The study is on our podcast. You can get that through the Monclova Road app. Um, or through wherever you like to get podcasts. And so you can find week one. You can go through, listen to that, fill in blanks, uh, walk through that at your own pace if you missed out last week. Um, So why should we study the Bible? We talked about it's commanded by God, how it's uh, built up throughout Scripture as being an admirable thing. We talked about the value of the Word of God, how the Word of God is the thing that changes us and grows us and matures us. And so it's necessary for us to to grow. But we also talked about how the Bible is hard work. Um, The Bible takes effort, takes energy, to go in and to study the Word of God. And then we continued, um, and we jumped into, we kind of introduced the method of Bible study that we are approaching this from. 
And so um, the term, the technical term that we're using is inductive Bible study. We compared that with what we call deductive study. Um, inductive meaning that we approach the scripture without bias. We don't go into the scripture thinking that we already know what it says. Rather, we let the scripture speak to us and inform us. And if we find that our opinions are different than the scriptures, we elevate the scriptures and we lower or devalue our own understanding and our own biases or thoughts. Um, instead of going in and saying the scripture must conform to me, we say I must conform to the scripture. And so it's very important that we go in with this mindset. That being said, we introduced the first of these three steps that you can see on the screen tonight. The first step um, that we talked about last week was observe. We said that we need to observe the scripture. We need to observe the text. So as we observe the text, um, what this really requires is requires asking questions of the text. Uh, this requires us going into the study. Sorry, it's squeaking like crazy. It's driving me insane. So if you can't hear it, good for you. Um, I can. So um, we said you have to observe the text. You have to take the text. You have to say, what is this saying? What is it saying? And that's our first question. What does it say? And as we go into what it says, it's very important that we uh, ask a lot of questions of the text. So we talked about the five W's. Let me show you guys this really quick before we go too much further because we'll use this tonight. The last page of your handout for tonight, I call it our quick reference guide. What I did, don't take too much time on it because some of it we haven't got to yet. What it is, I tried to take the overall questions, the overall ideas um, from last week as well as what we're going to talk about this week, put it on one page for you. Um, so this is something that I hope you'll tear off. I hope you'll set it somewhere. And you should use this as a quick reference guide to remind you of some of these questions. But on there, you can see those, uh, the five W's that we talked about last week um, as we go through observation and we learn what does the text say. And so uh, that's our first blank right there. What does the text say? That is observe, observe. Tonight, what we're going to cover is we're going to cover the next two steps. The second step that we're going to start off with is this. And I want to move fast because I want to, I want to use these things, okay? I want to use these things. I don't want to leave you in theory. I want you to take a few minutes tonight and act some of the things that we're talking about so you're not walking out of here saying that sounds good in theory because that's, that's not our goal. Our goal is not theory. Our goal is practice, okay? And so the second step here for the study is interpret, interpret. So now we've observed, we've asked questions, we've marked up things, we've circled and we've drawn lines and we've written out lists and we've highlighted and however it works, whatever it looks like for you, we've gone through and we've observed, we've asked questions of the text. And so tonight we're gonna get into uh, interpreting the text, which is what does it mean? So what does it say? What does it mean? And then finally what we're gonna close with tonight is we're gonna start talking about application. So apply, how does it affect my life? Where does the rubber meet the road? Okay, so that sounds good, that sounds fancy, that sounds nice, whatever. How does that actually affect how I walk out and how I live my life? And all three of these are vitally important for us as we try to understand the Word of God, as we try to live out the Word of God, and as we try to become committed, more committed followers of Jesus Christ. So without further ado, let's jump into interpretation. Interpretation. Uh, which brings us to this. The Bible interpretation, this is kind of my definition from compiling uh, other people's thoughts on this, but Bible interpretation is the process of understanding the original meaning of a passage of Scripture. And so a passage could be if we're studying a verse or if we're studying a few verses or a chapter or a book. It's trying to understand the original meaning of the passage of Scripture. Um, I included this quote. I thought this uh, was really great, and it kind of informs what we're looking at here. Um, Johannes Kepler said this. Um, he said, I was merely thinking God's thoughts after him. Uh, Kepler uh, started off study as a theologian. 
Um, but he actually became a scientist. In fact, Kepler was the German astronomer who lived in the 1600s. And he was uh, one of the first to calculate planetary orbits in details. Can you imagine living in the 1600s and calculating without a computer, without any kind of software, no algorithms, nothing, calculating how the planets uh, revolve around the sun? I mean, this man was brilliant. And as he was studying science, this firm believer in Christianity, he said this, as I'm discovering, as I'm going through science, I'm just thinking God's thoughts after him. I I'm understanding the ways that God created the universe. So how does this apply here? As we go through scriptural interpretation, what we want to understand is what is God communicating through this passage? What are the thoughts of God? What was God trying to say through the human authors as inspired by the Holy Spirit? What is the interpretation that the text is giving? And so thinking God's thoughts. Before we jump into this, there are a few obstacles. Last week we started with some obstacles, and so I'm going to give you a few obstacles that we're going to have to work through and that we're going to have to approach with some understanding. Um, because this is, like I said, this is where rubber meets the road. And so these are some things just to be aware of, not to scare, not to intimidate, but to be aware of as we approach the text. So there's some gaps um, that hinder us in our interpretation. And these are broken down in a, in a book about Bible interpretation by Roy Zott called Basic Bible Interpretation. Um, if you really want to have, <laughs> if you really want to jump into it, it's a great book. Um, it's really, it's, it's deep waters, I promise. Um, but this is a one part of it that I love that I think is just so practical. Here are the gaps that we have in interpretation. First of all, we have a time gap. We have a time gap. Um, the Bible was written uh, 2,000 years ago or more. The most recent parts were uh, coming up now in the year 2019, coming up on 2,000 years ago. And that's the New Testament. That's the parts um, that are after Christ. Before that, we're looking at about 1,500 years more. So between 2,000 3,500 years. That's a long, can we all agree it's a long time ago, right? Um, we turn on, you turn on the TV and you watch a show from your childhood, right? And you're like, wow, that is so dated. Wow, that I am like, I'm doing that. I'm not even 30 yet. I'm turning on the TV and I'm like, oh, that was fun to watch, you know? And time changes things. things. Things evolve over time. And so the Bible still holds true, but we have to understand this was written a long time ago. There's a space gap. Number four, a space gap. Um, and I don't mean that to be like outer space gap. This is 6,000 miles away is where we're going to find Israel, um, the primary uh, place where much of this was written, kind of surrounding the Mediterranean there. So you're talking about miles away. Um, probably a number of us in the room, if not most of us in the room, have not even been to that part of the world. It's a long distance away. There are customs gaps. The Bible was written in ancient Near East, Roman cultures. There's a language gap. It was written in three different languages, none of them being English, okay? And so we have translations where these men that God has uh, allowed to have this understanding and these intellectual abilities have translated. But these are things that also make it difficult, figures of speech that are in the Bible. Um, there's a writing gap, um, number five there, writing gap. The Bible is written in a lot of different genres. There's literary things that take place. And we'll, we'll press into that some in a couple weeks just to help you with these things. Um, and then there's a spiritual gap because the Bible has a supernatural author, a supernatural author. And so this is important for us to understand that the Bible is not just another human book. The Bible is not just a book that, um, that I, someone with wisdom, me, you, whoever, sat down, decided to write out. It was inspired by God. And so we're looking at God's wisdom, God's understanding that goes so far deeper than, and it's so much more true and so much more real than any other book that we approach. So the spiritual gap, there's a supernatural author. 
So as we attack those things, we look at those things, what are the steps for interpretation that we have? What are the steps for interpretation? Uh, the first step to interpretation is this. I left a blank, I left a blank in the uh, word as well, if you notice that. Uh, should we ask questions, all right? Uh, spell check doesn't catch stupidity, so sorry guys. All right, uh, ask questions about your observations. Ask questions about your observations. Um, and so as we've gone through, so last week we talked about just asking questions, picking the text apart, going through and saying, what is this, what's he saying, what's going on here, what words and phrases are repeated, what ideas exist, um, looking at and seeing when there's a list that takes place, and just kind of uh, tearing apart, asking questions, asking questions, asking questions, which you guys did so much better than me in our practice, right? Um, so we ask questions about the observations now. So now we want to press in and we want to say, what's the author trying to convey? Uh, what situations do they find themselves in? So last week we looked at Philippians. Today we're going to look at Philippians again in a minute. What situation is the author finding himself in? Does anyone remember from last week? What situation is Paul finding himself in? Should have asked you that question too. What situation is Paul finding himself in in Philippians? He's in prison, right? He says, I'm in bonds in chapter number one. And so how does that affect his outlook? We're going to watch that in just a minute. It's so cool. Uh, what situation? Uh, what do the key words mean? So this may mean just grabbing a dictionary. You don't have to know Greek um, to be able to read the Bible. Um, is it worth study, things like that? Sure, sure, but that takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time. You don't have to know Greek to be able to accurately interpret the Bible. Uh, what do the key words mean? Uh, letter D, what other passages mention the people involved? And I'm going to give you guys some tools to be able to look up some of these things. Some of you may have a study Bible that does some of that. Um, but we talked about Philippians, and last week I said, if we're curious about the book of Philippians, what's another book that we could go to to understand a little more about the Philippian church? What did we say? I heard someone say something. Acts. Acts. Paul meets the first believers and leads the first believers to Christ in Philippi in the book of Acts. And so we see uh, this going on, and we can compare Scripture with Scripture. Uh, and then we want to ask, why was it, why it was written? Why was it written? So what's the point, Paul? Why do you sit down and write these things? As Paul, we talked about how maybe you and I might have a tendency to waste words because we're human beings, right? We just small talk. Does God waste words? No. So as we see the scripture, every word of God is inspired and it's profitable. So we ask questions of our observations. Second, this is important here because we're coming to interpretation. We're not just asking questions, but look at this. We want to answer the questions from the text. Answer questions from the text. So where do we want to go for answers? There are a few different things, a few different types of questions and types of answers that we're going to have. The first is this. We could call these explicit answers. Explicit answers. These are answers that the author answers the question, you can ask it, and then you can say, oh, look, there's the answer, and it's right there in the passage for us. We're going to walk through all this just here in a minute. And we're going to say, oh, look, this question is answered right here. It's explicit. It's laid out. There's no hinting. It's obviously there. You can't miss it. But there are also some things that are maybe implicit. They're, like in, they're assumed in the text. Maybe you or I, being a 21st century American, wouldn't get it right offhand, but uh, when we study, we understand, oh, okay, that's in the text. And then we can find, we can study somewhere else. Um, and C, this is important here, um, there are some questions that are not mentioned or not answered. There's, it's not found in there. Um, so an example of this might be, um, how did Mary get to Bethlehem before giving birth to Jesus? Did she walk? Did she ride a donkey? Do we, do we have any understanding? Do we have any biblical evidence for any 
version of this. No, no, uh, it doesn't, it's not immediately relevant to the point of passage. And you say, okay, well, why would I press into that? I was listening this week. Um, this week, I was scrolling through social media, dangerous thing to do. Um, and I came across, you guys, you guys get me with that, right? I came across this thing. Um, it was a pastor. It wasn't anyone, I don't think anyone in here would know the pastor. I didn't know who he was. And um, he's not of a church that's like ours, thankfully. Um, he, but he gets up, and I'll tell you what he did. He went on for like a 10-minute like tirade against um, the wife of the wife slash mother in the story of the uh, prodigal son. How many guys uh, remember seeing the wife slash mother of in the story of the prodigal son? You know where there's a father and his two sons, and the one son leaves. Right? Where's the mother in that story? Nowhere. There's nowhere to be found, and he spends ten minutes talking about how she's probably out shopping, and she's probably doing this thing, and she's neglecting her family. And I'm just, what? Wow. Like, I hope that when my, like, wouldn't that be amazing if, like, you're not involved, you're not at a place, and so everyone blames everything on you? I mean, maybe you've been there, but, like, that doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't do that with anything else in your life. And all of a sudden, we have the Word of God, which is the most valuable gift for our growth, that we have, right? The word of God accompanied by the power of the spirit of God. And now we're taking it lightly enough that we're making up stories about the wife of the father and the story of the prodigal son. There's so much of the text that's already there. God's speaking enough. We don't have to invent things for him. We don't have to make up stories to try to get our point across. And that's a very blatant example of what we could call bad Bible study. I mean, it's not anywhere to be found. And so we want to be so careful about these things. We don't want to latch onto something and say, well, it's not in here, but I bet this is what happened. You're going to grow so much faster. You're going to grow so much better. You're going to be so much more satisfied with your study of the Word of God if you spend the time looking at the things that are present, because those are the things that God is trying to ingrain in you, grow in you, and develop in you. So we answer the questions from the text. And then uh, number three here with our steps to interpretation. Uh, we want to determine the author's main point. This is like what we're all moving towards. We want to determine the author's main point. This is why we're doing the things that we're doing, because this is going to lead us just dovetail into application. Um, and so uh, as we come, letter A is focus on explicit answers. Focus on explicit answers. Um, so what we should do when we're going to the scripture, if we want to really understand what the passage is telling us and how it can apply to us today, um, this should be the next slide there, Slim. Is we want to focus on explicit answers. And as we focus on explicit answers, um, we're going to begin to uncover what the main point of the passage is, as we focus on the things that are spelled out in the Scripture. Uh, but at the same time, we can be supporting this point with what we might call the implicit, the implicit answers. So these are the answers that they're not found written right in it, but maybe there's an assumption that's being made. And if you don't understand the assumption... Go to other passages in the scripture and try to find out what this is. Maybe go to a study tool. I'm going to give you a couple study tools before we leave tonight um, that are encyclopedias, dictionaries you can find online, and that will help illuminate some of these things. Uh, but support, uh, we find support for the main point with some of these things that might be assumed in the text. And then, number 14, we want to ignore the not mentioned. We want to ignore the not mentioned. Um, every once in a while, there might be something that just 
you're like, that is, it really kind of sticks with you that someone that's not mentioned or someone that's not there. But, but honestly, um, if God wanted us to realize those things, for the most part, right, he would, he would inform us uh, of those things. And so uh, there may be certain times that's interesting that something is missing, um, but those are going to be the exception, not the rule. The exception, not the rule. We want to look at what the text does say. We want to consider what it says about Jesus, is letter D. Consider what it says about Jesus. Uh, the whole scripture, Jesus, what does Jesus say after his resurrection? He's talking to his disciples on the road to Emmaus Road, and he says, uh, he begins to expound how the Old Testament text informs their belief in him, the Messiah. And so you might say Jesus was not even born yet. Um, if you were part of any of our study of Hebrews, uh, you, we walked through and we said, hey, the whole Old Testament's about Jesus, right? That was part of the, the purpose of that study. And so the Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament points to Jesus. So how, does, how is Jesus uh, relevant in this? How is it moving us towards that storyline? And then we want to identify what the author wants the audience to know. Identify what the author wants the audience to know. The person who's reading this, what is he trying to get across? A couple tips for interpretation, and these are just, uh, these are not as, as specific of an order. Um, so we'll just go through these really quickly. Context is key. Um, or 15, context is key. If you don't know why someone wrote it, if you don't know who wrote it, if you don't know uh, what's happening in those things, oh, we're probably going to be a little limited in the way that we're going to be able to understand it. So we want to dig into context. We want to look at, it doesn't just have to be whole book context. We want to look at what's going on in the verses surrounding this. And we're going to do this here in a minute. Context is key. Uh, number two, we want to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Um, the Bible is this miraculous book that in many ways, in many shapes, interprets itself. And so uh, if you, uh, some of these resources, like I said, we're going to get to in a minute. I'm not promising you and not delivering it. Some of these resources that we're going to get to here in a minute are, um, they're going to point you to other scripture. And they're going to say, oh, you want to study faith? Go to Hebrews 11. It's like the defining chapter on faith. If you get Hebrews 11, you're going to get the topic of faith. And it'll help you anywhere else faith is mentioned. If you get such and such, and it's going to talk through some of these tools will be present for you. Um, number three, choose literal interpretation when possible. Literal interpretation when possible. Um, that means this. Um, for example, if we read through Genesis chapter 1 and we read the Bible, we say, it says, in the beginning, God created. There's not a reason for us to go and assume in the beginning something else happened and God didn't create. Because it says, in the beginning, God created. So we want to take that literally. Um, when the Bible says that Jesus died and rose again, we don't want to try to look into this and say, well, he didn't really die. He didn't really. A lot of false doctrine comes from those ideas. This text says, the scripture says he died. And he rose again. And it's so important for our salvation to understand that. Uh, and so we want to choose literal interpretation. And I say when possible. For example, Jesus says this, I am the door in John chapter 10. Was Jesus a literal door? No. It's a metaphor, pretty obviously. All of us, no one in here was picturing Jesus being a physical thing that people had to open and turn on its hinge to walk into a room, right? We understand that he's saying, I am the way in which you come to God. And so use literal when possible. Understand the Bible does have some uh, metaphors and things like that, but they're usually very obvious. And then um, look for the main point of the passage. Uh, is number four. We've talked about that a little bit. Number five, study the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, the new in light of the old. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in that because we're going to look at that more in depth in a couple weeks. Seek understanding of difficult passages in light of more obvious passages, not the other way around. Again, I want to table that. I want to throw it out there, but we're going to table it because we're going to approach that in a few weeks. All right, 
practical, so take out your pens, all right? We're gonna get into this. Um, we're gonna practice interpretation. So um, there was a, uh, I'm gonna look at this headline, um, because it's, it's great. How many, guys are, how many guys are fans of the Babylon Bee? Does anyone know what the Babylon Bee is? It's a satire site. I know, I've seen a lot of you share it, okay? So all of you looking like you're better than me out there. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just messing around. Um, so Philippian, uh, Philippians 4.13. How many of you guys are familiar with Philippians 4.13? What do we see Philippians 4.13 on? Literally everything. Um, this, there's, this, there's this headline. It says this, weird but true. Two Christian high schools have been stuck in a tied football game for six months after both teams invoked Philippians 4.13. Both teams, what does Philippians 4.13 say? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And so, you know, Steph Curry, if you follow basketball, he's got it on his shoes, and he's, you know, and that's, and I'm, hey, I'm for the word of God being out there, okay? Um, but what happens when your enemy claims Philippians 4.13 before you do? I mean, that's not how the scripture works. Um, and in fact, this portion of scripture has a very real application with the surrounding context. And so uh, this is, here's what I, I want to look at for just a minute. Take a minute and um, feel free to use that cheat sheet in the back. Um, feel free to talk to the person next to you, get someone social, someone involved with it with you if you'd like. Um, and take, we're just going to take a couple minutes and observe the text. Ask questions of the text. Look at the themes of the text. What is Paul trying to say here in verses 10 through 13? This is a paragraph uh, within this chapter. And so what is Paul trying to communicate within this passage of Philippians, uh, Philippians 4? And so take a minute, ask questions of the text, circle, underline, highlight, whatever it is you need to do, count up words that are repeated. Um, we're just going to take uh, three or four minutes to do this. I know it's not a lot of time to actually accomplish this exercise. For sake of time, we're going to have to cut it short, and you can dig in more later. But take a few minutes, find someone next to you, and follow some of those things, ask questions of the text, work through some of the interpretation things that we just talked about, okay? Okay. Feel free to keep going if you're in a conversation, if you're looking through this. Feel free to keep looking at the passage. I'm going to start asking a couple questions, okay? Um, first of all, uh, what interesting things do we notice in this passage that may help us as we're trying to interpret? Alan, what do you see? Yep. Yep. Yep, absolutely. 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 So that's, that's huge. Um, absolutely. And so what I, for me personally, again, this is just me. You do you. Um, what I did is I took um, in verse 12, I don't know why I'm showing you because it's not like you can see that. Um, in verse 12, I took uh, a based and a bound, right, as he's contrasting those ideas. Um, I took um, to be full and to be hungry, and I took a bound and suffer need in verse 12, and I attached those two together because we see those contrasts that Alan's mentioning. What else do we see? Anything else we see? It's interesting, yeah. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, so in Ecclesiastes, you have the theme of um, I've experienced this, I've experienced this, I've experienced multiple things here. And so Paul is, is pulling from that for sure. Um, and so other scriptures come to our minds. And maybe as you're studying, what you can do, I know it's, you, you don't have the time to pull up and begin Googling for other verses and things like that. Um, but you can write down phrases um, that do come to mind, maybe from other passages, and you can look those up through your observation. Um, you know, look at, um, look at the... Uh, second verb there. I know I'm getting grammatical. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a written book. Okay, grammar happens. Um, look at uh, the second part there. So he's not that I speak in respect of want, for I have what? What does he say? 
I've learned. And then look at verse number 12. So learned, learned is completed, right? I have learned. Now I'm learning, I have learned. And then look at verse 12. What's the verb that he uses twice in verse 12? I know. So he's saying, I had to learn this thing, but now I know. You see some progressive, some movement throughout this. And all of these he ties back to what's the theme that we would tie all these together? And what could we wrap all these together with a nice little bow on it? What's the theme that he's getting at? Being content, right? So, so what is he saying? Uh, is he discontent because he's wealthy? No, I'm content. I know how to be wealthy without being a snob, right? I know how to be poor without being a beggar. I know how to be content in these situations. Then all of a sudden, we come to verse 13. How did he learn these things? Through the strength of Christ, right? I can do all of these things. I can do all things. I can be whatever I am required to be through Christ who strengthens me. All of a sudden, we have interpretation. All of a sudden, we, okay, he's referring to being content. I don't like the, I'm going to get into application for a second here. I don't like the situation I'm in. Not like truly, but hypothetically, okay. I don't like the situation I'm in. Paul said he can be content. Man, my spouse just, they, uh, they frustrate me so much. Paul could, said he could be content. Oh, my kids, I just, I don't know how to get through to them. Paul said he could be content. In what things? He can do all things. Is there a situation that Paul says in which it's impossible for him to be content? No. Whatever it is, he can be content. Why? Why can he be content in all things? Through the strength of Christ, right? Not because Paul is some strong guy that we just can't compete with. No. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we, we dipped our toe in application. Sorry for getting ahead of all right, we just had Wednesday night Bible study. Yay, you did it. All right, let's go. Application, next page, we've got to move. Application. All right, so this is so important, so important right here as we begin this. Well, Scripture will have only one interpretation. It's top of the next, I don't, I don't have pages numbered. I need to number the pages. That's my bad. Sorry, guys. All right, application header. Well, Scripture will have only one interpretation, it may have many applications, Okay. So there is a main point of the text. There may be subpoints and things that go on there. It's not that there's only one truth within that. Um, but the Bible doesn't mean something different to Steve Gagne than it means to me as far as meaning goes. Okay. Now I will say this. Um, I know in here we have uh, we have some we have a few kids that are in here with their parents. The the verse the verses of scripture that say children obey your parents or honor your father and mother. They mean the same thing wherever they're at, but they're going to be applied differently by a 15-year-old living under their parents' roof than they would to a 35-year-old that's married with kids, right? I mean, if you're a married adult, if my, if my dad called and said, son, get home right now, you're in so much trouble. You know what I'm doing? Uh, what are you talking about? Like, I live an hour away. Um, I have my own children that I'm trying to put into bed, like... What do you need to talk about, Dad? I will still honor him. I will still respect him. I will still show him those things. But I am not going to jump in the car unless he actually needs me to jump in the car and go to him, right? Um, if my wife's parents call, they're in South Florida. Like, Dad, we love you. Talk to us on the phone. What's going on, right? Now, if you're uh, 15 years old and your dad calls and says, hey, I need you home right now, you'd better get home right now. Why? 
Because interpretation is static. Application varies on who we are, stage of life, current situation. And this is something that there can be many applications. This is why the word of God bears weight on all of us at all times. There may be different passages that specifically bear weight in different situations. But the scripture is still true and the scripture is still applicable regardless of the day, age, time, culture, location that you find yourself in. The Bible is not more applicable to first century Jews than it is to 21st century Americans. Okay? And sometimes our culture wants to propagate that and say this is an ancient Jewish book. It's dead. No. The Bible says this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12, the word of God is quick. It means alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Understand this, the Bible is still true, it's still relevant, and it's still applicable today. How do we discover this application? I want to start with this. I love this quote. I love this book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Um, it's by a man named Donald Whitney. Um, and he says this. He says this in, in the book. He says, open the book, speaking of the Bible there, it's capitalized, open the book expectantly. Open the book expectantly. You go to scripture thinking this won't apply to my life, you're right. You go to the book saying this will apply to my, my life, you're right. The way that we approach the word of God is going to determine what we're going to get out of the word of God. If we say there's nothing in there for me, off to the side, yeah, of course you're not going to get anything out of it because you're not opening it expectantly. Open the book expectantly. Um, and there's uh, James 1, 22 through 25. Let's read verse 22 here. Um, because many of you will be familiar with this. If you're not, it's an awesome study there in James. He says this, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so uh, these are two comments by me here underneath the verse. Application without interpretation and observation is unfounded. So if you jump right to, if you open up the Bible and say, this is what this means, but you've not interpreted, you've not observed, then it's where are you getting that application from? That's the preacher who gets up and talks about the wife of the the father of the, like, it doesn't make any sense. It's unfounded. Scripture does not support what you're trying to say, specifically in that passage, maybe anywhere. But interpretation and observation without application is incomplete. If I only observe, if I only uh, understand what it means to the original audience, and I never take the time to say, what does this mean in my life, then it's incomplete. I'm, I'm a hearer of the word, I can have the intellectualism, but I'm not a doer because I haven't taken the time to think through application, okay? So steps to application. We're just going to fly through these, and we're going to get to practice on this. Um, steps to application. Uh, work from the main point. Start with that. Work from the main point. Are there sub-points within passages of Scripture? Yes, we, we did talk about that. We touched on that. Uh, but primarily work from the main point. Work from the main point. What, and so there's two subpoints in this. Uh, what was the application to the original audience? And this is first step. What is the author saying to the original audience? So what is Paul saying to the Philippians? All right, first and foremost, what's happening there? And then how does this truth apply to the modern reader? And so this is important for a lot of reasons, okay? Because first of all, um, is the word cell phone found in the Bible? is the phrase website, internet, whole foods, right? I mean, like it's not in there. It's not in there. Whole and foods might be, but not, yeah. These aren't things that existed in this day and age. Does that mean they're not uh, relevant? Does that mean the Bible's not relevant to those things? No. We want to say this is the principle that the author is trying to get across to their audience. 
And then this is where we take the time, and we're going to give you some questions to ask, and this is where we say, how does that bear weight on my life as a 21st century middle-class American? How does that impact me? Okay? Because the Bible is still relevant. God is still speaking today. So uh, secondly here, so we're working from the main point that we discovered with interpretation. This is next step. Ask good, so what questions. So what questions. And this is what I mean by so what questions. So what should I blank? So what should I blank? I just listed them all out here for you. So what should I believe about God? How does this passage of scripture impact my belief about God? B, what should I praise or thank God for? Sometimes it's uh, the passage of scripture is drawing us to thanksgiving and to praise. And that's the point. What should I praise or thank God for? Uh, Letter C, what should I pray for? What's something that God wants to do in my life that I need to be seeking him for, that I'm praying for? Maybe it's patience, maybe it's wisdom, maybe it's some kind of a provision for these needs that we have. What should I pray for as a result of this? Letter D, what should I start doing? What's something in my life? You know what? Uh, If you're sitting here today and reading the Bible is not part of your Christian walk and your Christian behavior, let me tell you this. If you start reading the Bible, if you study the Bible, you're going to see that the Bible says that you should start studying the Bible. All right? That's part of what we looked at last week, the application. What should I start doing? I should start studying the Scripture because it says to study the Scripture. Um, What should I stop doing? What should I stop doing? How many of you guys, let me ask this a couple ways. I'll just ask it this way. How many of you, you would say, right now, there is something in my life that if I were really honest with myself, God would have me to stop doing? I mean, all of us right now, right, if we're really honest with yourself. Challenge tonight, challenge tonight. Stop doing it. Like, you don't need a pastor to stand up and say, stop doing that thing that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing. When we go to the scripture, the scripture's gonna inform us. Here's the thing, when you stop doing that thing, you're not going to be perfect, and you're gonna study the word of God, and the word of God's gonna reveal something else to you. But the fact is, is that maybe God's waiting to reveal the rest of these things to you through the scripture until A, you're seeking him through the scripture, and B, you stop doing the thing that you know to stop doing right now. So sometimes the application isn't go do something else, it's stop doing this thing. Uh, Letter F, what should I say to someone? Maybe God's challenging you to be an encouragement to. Maybe there's a friend that God's challenging you to speak truth and love to. Okay, please remember the in love part of that. Um, But maybe there's something that you need to say to someone. Um, And letter G, uh, you could ask so many more of these questions. I'm just giving you examples, shotgunning here. What should I confess? What should I confess? Maybe it's not an active behavior, but it's something that I did, and I've just been, in my heart, I just had to bury it. I didn't bring it out to God. I didn't, I didn't confess it. I just, I just shoved it under the rug and hoped that it went away. Maybe it's time to confess that thing. As you study the scripture, these things come to light, and God uses these things. Um, some tips for application. There's five of these. They're very simple, very straightforward, but I hope you'll use them. Number one, pray. Ask God for wisdom in applying the word of your life. We talked about that last week, right? Um, it's a supernatural book. The author is with us as we read it and as we study it. Pray, 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 pray. Number two, think. Set aside time to consider the so what's of the passage. Don't just think I know it all, uh, but take the time to consider the so what's. Take time to meditate on these things. Press deeper into them. And out of those two come the rest of these. Uh, Number three, write. Uh, Take notes. 
Um, maybe keep an application journal and journal with scripture. Um, some people learn by writing and they remember by writing. Number four, talk. Tell someone about this. Find someone that you can connect with. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone that, maybe you don't have that person and you just need to go find someone. You'd be like, I need someone I can talk to about what my reading of the scripture. Find someone that you can have these conversations with because you know what? They'll be better for it and you'll be better for it. So tell other people what you're learning and what you're seeing. You don't have to be a pastor to talk to people about the Bible. Okay, can we throw that out there? Number five, listen. Um, and so this is, we're going to press into commentaries and things like that eventually. Um, but that's, this is number five intentionally, not number four, three, two, or one. Um, find other opinions. So for me, uh, if I'm looking to preach a message or things like that, I'm going to go to the scripture first. I'm going to try to uncover and understand this for myself first because I'm going to remember it better when I discover it for myself, not just when I grab a commentary off the shelf and read through that. But you know what I'll often do? is I'll make sure that I'm understanding and interpreting the Bible wisely because if you do start listening to good messages on and their interpretation's conflicting your interpretation, um, there's probably probably something somewhere that you got off in your interpretation. So uh, think of it more as like checking your work than going there for the original uh, information. Um, I'll give you an example of this. I was working with one of our college students. He was filling in for me in our young adults um, Bible study on Sunday mornings at the core. And he and I were uh, studying a passage of scripture. And we both um, had a kind of a perspective where we thought the scripture said one thing. We thought this was the uh, interpretation. So we began studying it. We we're pressing into this. And, you know, I started getting my, in my spirit. I was like, I, something doesn't feel quite right. It's not jiving. It's not fitting like it should. And so I back up here. Okay. And so I said, I think it's time to find someone else that may have some historical evidence or some deeper understanding than we have because we've put the time into it and something's just not sitting right. So we did. And I found out that good, traditional, conservative, um, theologically speaking, commentators disagreed with an element, not the whole thing, but an element of the interpretation that we had. So you know what I said? All of these guys kind of in unison are interpreting this a different way. I'm probably wrong, <laughs> right? I'm not gonna force my bias in here. I'm gonna be humble enough and seek truth enough to say, I'm probably wrong. Okay, on your own. Um, nope, we have a practicing application. Um, for sake of time, um, this is what I actually want to do. Um, consider that part of the on your own. Um, so you have a couple different things. I'm just gonna hit this really quick and, and we're gonna get out of here because it's 8.15, so the one was about to wrap up. Um, you have two passages here. You can choose of those which you want to do. There's the beginning of Philippians 2. There's also the beginning of Philippians 3. And so you have uh, both of those already typed out for you, spaced out. Take some time this week to interpret those. Um, there's a page that looks like this, okay? Um, I don't know exactly that's format. This is, these are different notes. These are my notes with filled-in stuff. Um, so there's a page that says something about, it's right after the on your own page. It might be its own header. So on your own. You guys find that on your own? Good luck. There's a header that says, on your own. It, it's after uh, Philippians 2. So it says, on your own. It's its own page. Okay, it's its own page. Perfect. Even better. On that, um, I make a note. So try not to use commentaries this week. Um, so try not to, um, if, if you do use them, use them after everything else. Um, we'll discuss more of those in a few weeks. Um, here's a great resource for contextual information. This is the only like segment of this. There's some other good resources on this website, but I'm not gonna, I don't have the time and the ability to go through and be like, this one's good, this one's not, this one's good, this one's not. Because there's so many resources that are out there. 
This link right here, blueletterbible.org slash study, and you have to put the .cfm. Don't ask me why, because they didn't build their website right. Anyways, um, under Bible references, there's something that says encyclopedias dictionaries. This is such a cool tool. What you can do is you can go in there, you can type in um, the name of a city, the name of a book, the name of a person, and what it does is it just gives you um, Bible dictionary encyclopedias of this. So for the most part, they're not um, interpreting for you, they're giving you background information. So they're letting you come to the interpretation and the application on your own. And that's the goal for right now, is we want to come to our own interpretation and understanding. Um, and then just a little bit, if you want to know what our church believes, as we say that, as we start recommending some other resources, um, our church statement of faith is available on our website without the weird thing at the end of the URL, not to brag or anything. Um, but we see that as a joke. Okay. All right. At the end right there, there's um, our church uh, statement of faith that's available on our website as well. And so um, without any further ado, let's go ahead, let's pray, be dismissed. If you have any questions, I'll be around for a little bit. Um, quick reference guide at the very end. I hope you'll make use of that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth.